Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. See, to make room for God, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. You have to, you, something has to go. And so you have to take time. And I know for me, you know, one of the things that I've been practicing in my life is, is really trying to practice being still. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, it says, be still and know that I'm God. Amen. And it's amazing how difficult being still is. Just sitting in a place where you're still, you're quiet before God and not consumed with every thought. It's, it's an amazingly difficult thing because that, that, that's not something we're trained to do in this society. We're always on the go. We got things happening, places to be, people to see, things to get done. And sometimes it's very difficult, but there's something very precious being still before him, being still and knowing he's God, knowing he's God. And that's why this morning in that, in that, after that song, that's, that song is a very precious song to me because in the last few weeks, four weeks or five weeks, whatever it's been, I've been playing that in my, in my worship time, my private time and with the Lord, and I've been praying that and, and singing that, and, and he just moves on me because that's what I want to do is I want to surrender. I want to surrender everything. I want to surrender it all. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd like to tell you that I got it all down, but I don't. I struggle with it sometimes, but I am going forward. And that's why every time, every moment I get to, to uh, come to a place where I can surrender, that I could stop and I can just kind of take off the facade, take off the, the world and the things and stuff and just be quiet before him and go, I surrender. You have access, God. Every corner, every crevice, every crack, every secret place, you have access. You can go there. And if you don't like what you see, change it. Pull it out. Tell me what I need to do because I want to be, I, I want him. I, I, like I, I've told you before, I've told this church, I, I've been in church enough to know what church is about. And church is great and it's fine, but I, I, you know what? Church is not my goal. He is my goal. I don't, want, I don't want to experience him here. I love experiencing him here with you, but I want to experience him at home. I want to experience him wherever I'm at. Because that's what his word tells me. His word tells me that he's with me wherever I go. His word, he says he travels with me. He's there. Well, I want to be aware of that. I want to be aware of his presence. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to cover some, what I think is some significant ground. But I also think this morning, we're going to cover some ground that if you, will, if you will take and just surrender like the song said and, and kind of let the, the defense mechanism down and receive what God will tell you, I believe that it will actually help. I believe, I believe what will happen is your ability to walk out this thing called Christianity, to live it to its full, to experience it, will be much, re- much more real. It will be much more vital, much more fresh. So nothing, you, how many know there's nothing worse than something that's stale? Anybody ever had to, you know, you're so hungry, you stale potato chips. You eat them anyway because you're hungry. 
but it's not fresh. It's, it's not satisfying, is it? Or how about having a sandwich on stale bread? Or how about going to a fast food joint and their bun is stale? Don't you hate that? There's nothing worse than stale. Because you're wondering, well, how long did it sit there? And while it was sitting there, what, what creature crawled across it? You know what I'm thinking? You know what I'm saying? And, and there's nothing worse than stale. We, we want fresh. And, the, you know, when, when God was providing for the children of Israel in the wilderness, every day the manna was fresh. It was fresh every morning. Every, and that's what he says about his mercy. Every morning his mercy is new. It's brand new every morning. God's all about the fresh, isn't he? He, he never wants us to get stuck in one thing. That's, that, that's the problem here. We ain't even on the sermon yet, so you just hang on. I'm going to pick on something. That's why he doesn't like tradition. Now, that doesn't mean that tradition doesn't have a place or it doesn't have some validity to it. But the problem is, is we tend to glorify tradition. Well, this is the way we've done it, and we've always done it this way. The problem is, is God likes fresh. He likes something new, vital, living, alive. And the problem with tradition is it can grow dark and dead quick. Amen. And so the, the thing that he wants to do is he wants to have, see, this is the thing about God is he is eternal and he, have, he is never ending. And so there's always something new about him. There's something new that we can discover about him all the time. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us discovering the newness, the richness the aliveness, if I can use that. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'll do it anyway. It's poor grammar, but I'll use it anyway. He wants us to discover that, that every day we wake up and there's this new thing, this new dynamic. Can you say amen? Well, this morning we're going to continue on with our, uh, uh, actually we're going to finish today our, our uh, series on grace. We started last week, and we're going to be looking at this, uh, just one verse of Scripture out of our text from last week. We're going to look at that verse that we focused on as kind of a springboard. And I, I want you to pay close attention. And like I said today, after the first service, I, to be honest with you, coming into the first service, I was kind of, you know, people, people walked in today and they goes, man, we're really excited here. You know, this second, I'm like, I am too. And it's because, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of like God's kind of putting this thing together. And so now that we've preached it and I kind of, it's like, okay, now I know what you're saying, God. To be honest, I didn't really catch in my study all. I know that's probably a horrible thing to admit, right? Uh, but the reality is you got to understand the word of God is living, okay? And the word of God is living in me. Okay, and he's, it's living in you. And so sometimes we, it, it's, it's like one of those things you have to experience. It's, it's hard to understand what a roller coaster is all about until you're on the ride. I mean, you can look at it and you could see it and you can understand the dynamics and you could go, yeah, that's a roller coaster and they do this and flips and turns and all of that. But it's nothing like being in the front seat of a roller coaster. When you're going through all of it. And then it's like, I know what a roller coaster is. I get it now. And that's kind of what happened. So this morning, uh, this, I, I just, I want you to take a deep breath. I have a friend that he comes in, rubs my shoulders before every 1030 service. And he always tells me, take a deep breath. Whew. Okay. It's going to be all right. Amen. Here's what the Bible says in second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. It says, and God is able 
Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you God, glad God is able? But look at God's not only able, he's willing. We have got to understand that God's ability always carries with it his willingness. God does not have ability that he's unwilling to use. God is not stingy with his ability. Can you say amen? God's ability automatically carries with it his willingness to use it and to do it in our lives. Our God is able to make all grace, every facet of grace, abound. He's, he's able to make grace, every facet of grace, to race at you, to overtake you, to abound toward you, that you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, that's a verse of Scripture that we need to commit to memory. It's a, it's a verse of Scripture that we need to pray. It's a verse of Scripture that we need to meditate on because I believe this is the will of God, the plan of God. God says, I want this done in your life. Can you say amen? Now, as I spent last week mulling over this thought, mulling over the thoughts of our sermon from last week, and then mulling over the question of how do we really live this out? How do we live this out? How, how do we live out this wonderful grace? Because it's one thing to know about it, to define it. It's one thing to have theology. It's one thing to have understanding. But what we want to go is from understanding to experience. Can you say amen? We want to live this out. See, church, I want to say this to you. There are a lot of Christians, precious children of God, who are living way beneath what God has for them. That is a very common statement throughout Christianity, and I don't know why that Christians, more Christians, don't grab a hold of that, but listen to me. We are living fundamentally beneath what Jesus paid for. Can you say amen? We are not experiencing what God really intends for our life. And as I mulled over this question, how do we live out this grace, I came to one conclusion. One conclusion. And that conclusion is this. Grace begins and ends in relationship. Listen to what I'm saying. Grace is all about relationship. Relationship with the Father, relationship with the Son, and relationship with the Holy Spirit. Without relationship, you cannot experience grace. You can know about it. You can define its word. You can even understand the definitions and the theology about it, but you will not experience grace outside of relationship. Think about it for a moment. From the very beginning of time, God has wanted, and I'm going to use a strange term, a walking partner. Listen to what I'm saying. God wants a walking partner. Now, that, that term is intentional. That term, I'm using that term to describe. See, God isn't looking for a clingy bride that just hangs on to things. God's not looking for a dependent on his taxes. Amen. God's not looking um, uh, 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 for, you know, just people to, you know, bow down to him, although he wants us to worship. But listen to what I'm saying. 
God is looking for something more. God is looking for a walking partner. Someone, listen, someone to do life with. That's what God wants. That's why we were created. We were created to do life with God. In the beginning, God had a relationship with Adam and Eve. And listen, what defined their relationship is that they walked with God. They walked with him in the garden in the cool of the day. That's what defined them. That's what set them apart. They had this relationship with the Father. Can you say amen? God created man for uh, the enjoyment of walking in relationship that involved companionship, that involves communication, that involves intimacy, that involves joint decision-making. Yes, God wants to make decisions about all that he has with you. So how do you know that? See, God created all the animals, and then he brought Adam on the scene and said, you name them. Amen. And if you really begin to study that out, he wasn't just coming up with quaint names for animals. He was defining their purpose. That's what he meant by naming. He defined their purpose. So Adam was involved in all this thing that's going on. So there was this joint decision-making, mutual delight, and shared dominion. That's what God wanted in the beginning. And listen, God longs, he longs to walk with you. That's why the arms of his grace embrace you and pull you ever closer to him in a walk with him. See, the goal this morning of all of us, every one of us should have the goal after this day that every day we would walk in unbroken communion with our Lord and our friend. That should be our goal. Now, I would, once again, I'd like to tell you that I got this down and it's all dialed in and I'm good, I'm golden, but I'm far from it. I'd like to tell you that every minute of the day I'm, you know, tracking with God and I, you know, there's some days I can't feel him. I hope that's not too honest. There's just some days that I don't even know where he is and quite frankly, there's some really bad days that hell wants to convince me that he's not even there. But somewhere along the line, I've made a decision that what I want to do is I want to know him. I want to press in. I want to walk in a closer walk with him. My goal is that by this time next year in 2020, that I will have a deeper walk, a more abiding, more vital, more real, more intense walk with God. Now, there's a lot of other things that I want to see in 2020, but the one that really matters to me is that I'm walking with him. That, that every facet of his grace is moving. I believe that's why he gave that facet of grace. I believe that's why he did that. His divine ability to overcome, to change, to live, to succeed, to increase, and to become. I believe the reason it's abounding towards us is so that we can know him and know him deeper and better and walk with him in it. Can you say amen? Amen. Now grace... What this means then is grace literally is the atmosphere in which this relationship exists. Grace is the atmosphere. It is the context, if you will. 
Grace is the context. It's divine ability. See, you cannot walk with him without him helping you. Amen. You remember, Moses said, I want to see you. And God says, okay, but I'm going to have to help you. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide you in this, this crack in the rock here, this cleft. I'm going to hide you there. I'm going to put my hand over your eyes. Then I'm going to walk past. And when I go by, I'm going to lift my hand. And you're going to see what's left over when I pass by. He had to help him. But the, the desire was real. And so was God's. He wanted him to see him. He wanted him to walk with him. Can you say amen? amen. Enoch was one of the first men in the Bible after Adam who walked with God. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22 and 24 says this, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters, so all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, I want you to listen to this. Enoch, being one of the first men to under, un, uncover the true delight of walking with God, he found something even Adam didn't experience. He pressed into God until he learned how to commune with God through every facet of life. Do you understand this morning that's what God wants? That's what this is about. Listen to me today. Now, I know in a sermon like this, this is about the point where we start clicking off. Because what happens is we go, well, that's really good for Enoch, and that's really good for the special people, but I don't know about poor little old me walking with God. Now you're talking about stuff that I don't know if I can obtain, and that is the devil talking to you. Because you can attain this. Because what God is saying, this is simply what he's saying. He's saying, I want to do life with you. That means when you go to Safeway, I want to go to Safeway. That means when you go to Disneyland, I want to go to Disneyland. That means wherever you find yourself, I want to be there. I want to be included in the process. I want to be told about, I'm interested. God says, I'm interested in what you think. Really? I thought God was high and lifted up. He is. Make no, make no mistake about it. He sits on a throne. It's an eternal throne, and angels surround him. And let me tell you, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but he is our Father. And look at, I want to be, the reason I know how to be a father to my sons and my daughter, the reason that I want to be involved is because first, he wanted to be involved with me. And he showed me that I could be involved with him, and therefore I know how. Can you say amen? amen? Now, to find that dimension of relationship, it requires an intense spiritual pursuit. And when we find it, it will revolutionize our lives. There must be this morning an intentionality. This is the problem, church with Christianity, and this is what we're going to find out as we walk this out. Our problem isn't that it ain't available. Our problem is, is we're not intentional. Everything in life is about being intentional. I think about my, my relationship with my wife. It was intentional. You all know that my wife grew up in a little town called Truxton, Arizona. There's about 100 people out there, and that counts all the sheep the dogs, the goats, and the cattle, and the random antelope that go through every now and then. 
And, and, and I drove 42 miles one way. Why? Because I wanted to be in a relationship with her. I spent $185 the first month on a phone bill. That's before cell, cell bills. My, my mom comes to me and she goes, here's your phone bill. I said, what's this? She goes, I ain't paying for it. I ain't doing it. And I knew her dad wasn't going to do it. In fact, her dad had to make a rule. He says, you guys can only be on the phone for a half hour. Because we'd stay on there for four hours just breathing. What you doing? Nothing. 15 minutes goes by. What you doing? Nothing. Same thing I was doing 15 minutes ago, listening to you breathe. And he was on call, and he had to get calls. And so it's like 30 minutes. And so you know what? I had to drive. I was intentional. I pursued her. I chased her. And we understand that. But when it comes to God, I go to church. When I'm not busy. I'll I'll wait till later. I'll leave you alone. But something happened with Enoch. Enoch pressed in, man. He walked with God. He walked with God. And then God did something profound. He made a statement. He showed the world how important this was. He says, look it, I'm done coming down there to walk with you. I'm bringing you up here to walk with me. He says, I so like your company. I love you and I love being with you. Then he says, look it, come on up here. We're going to walk in my garden this time. That's powerful. See, listen, church. God wants to walk with you. He wants to. It's his desire. But listen. God walks in you before he works through you. I got to get that statement right. That, that statement, when God gave that to me, he says, look it, here's the problem, John. They, they got it backwards. They want me to work through them to develop our relationship. I got to walk in them and with them before I can work with them. See, we want God to do big things. We, got, we want God to move. We, see, what the problem is, is we want, really what we want is a genie in the sky. We want to rub his little belly and have things happen. But God says, no, I want a relationship. I'm willing to do. I have abundance. I have more than you could ever hope for. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could think or ask, but I want to do it with you. I want to walk arm in arm with you. I want to link arms. I want to be a partner. I want to be involved. And he says, I want to walk in you, and I want to walk with you before I work through you. But the question still remains, what does that look like in daily life? See, grace is ministered to us by the Holy Spirit, but you need to understand it. It just doesn't fall out of the sky. It is a work of God. But we have to open ourselves to God's grace. Listen to me. We have to open ourselves to God's grace. We, we must interact with God's grace by receiving it, by responding to it, and by working with it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's grace has to be received. It has to be responded 
two. So what, what does that look like? Let's take a few moments, if we can, and really look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, Paul is writing about an experience he has, and it's a remarkable story. And he says this, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh and a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Now, that is a great scripture, but oftentimes it's horribly misunderstood. People twist it around and they come up to all kinds of conclusions. One of the things that happens here is we look at this thorn in the flesh and we're forever trying to define what is that thorn in the flesh? Is it this? Is it spiritual? Is it physical? Is it this thing? Is it that thing? Well, it really don't matter. What we do know about it is it irritated Paul. He says, it was given to me to torment me. And he says, it was a messenger of the devil. And I can tell you this, God is not the author of it. It was the devil that sent that messenger to torment him. God is not the author of torment. He is not the author of torment. But God sends this, or I'm sorry, the devil sends this, and it torments him. And, and Paul pleads with God three times. In other words, he goes to God and he says, God, you got to help me here. you gotta, you got to do this. And God responds to him, and he says this. He goes, my grace is sufficient for you. And for the first two times, he misses it. He doesn't get it because he goes back. And the third time he gets it, all of a sudden, it dawns on him. He goes, wait a second, my grace, my divine ability, my influence, my power, my, my goodness, my, all of these things, it is sufficient. It is complete for you. This was not God not answering him. This was God showing him how to overcome. Are you hearing me? And on the third try, Paul goes, I get it. He goes, he is so convinced of this now. He says, it's better for me to be in a place of weakness because that's when God's strength comes. That's when God really shows up. He says, in my weakness, his strength is perfected. God's not going, hey, just suck it up. Just you know, deal with it. I'm not gonna do nothing. I'm not gonna move for you. He's going, my grace. In other words, what I have sown into your life, everything you need is already there. It's already there. You just need to walk in it. And I love this passage. And the reason I love this passage is because it's so honest. It's so honest. I love the fact that Paul is struggling. And you say, why is that? Because I have hope because I struggle. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get rocked. Sometimes I have a difficult day. Sometimes I can't see very far. Sometimes I struggle and I wonder, how is this going to work? And sometimes, quite frankly, I'm just tired. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's Paul struggling, and he's being hindered. And he goes to God three times. Thank God he does that. Because I've gone to God over and over again. And you know what? When you get the same answer over and over again, stop. Start thinking about the answer you were given. Start meditating on it because there's truth in it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, to be honest, church, we don't like that answer. Oh, it's, it's good for Bible study, and we, we love its poetic thing, and we, we love to use that as a cleanup 
or a justification why things aren't happening. But we don't like that answer. And the reason we don't like it, or let me put it this way, let's just go on. I don't like it. You may like it. I don't. And the reason I don't is because it's too simple. It's too vague. It's too ambiguous. What I want, I'll be honest, I, you know, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just preaching to me and that's okay. But the reality is I want a bailout. <laughs> I want a bailout. I got a problem, take care of the problem, God. Just do your thing. Snap your fingers. Send your angels. Do whatever. Get me out of this trouble. That's what I want. But God goes, my grace is sufficient for you. I don't get that. I don't. I was like, well, good. Thank God, I guess. Could you at least give me a plan? Could you give me a strategy? Could you, could you show me a little, uh, how about this? Just give me a calendar. How, how, how about just give me a date when this is all going to be over? Because if I just knew the date, I, even if it was 10 years, even if God went, look, you're going to suffer horrible tor torment for 10 years. But after 10 years, it's going to be good. Then it's just a calendar. Then I just, with a big, you know, X, I start marking off the days. One year down, two years down, three years down. Hey, baby, we're three quarters of the way there. We're almost done. But that's not what happens. What God does is he shows up and he goes, my grace is sufficient for you. What is he saying? He's saying my divine ability, my power to change, my, my grace to live, my influence to succeed, my abundance to increase and to become is more than enough for your greatest weakness. You already have what you need. Listen to me. What you need has already been dispensed. Are you hearing me? And the implication of the context of this passage, and this is where the rubber meets the road, is surrender. Say, well, why, if I have everything I need, why, why am I not realizing it? Quite frankly, because you're in the way. Get out of the way. You're in the way. See, we have this, as human beings, we have this, just this pesky little habit of wanting to be in control. I'm going to fix it. I got a better idea. This is, see, you know what? One of the things that frustrates me about some of the Bible is like, you know, the way Jesus handled stuff, I'm not so sure I like. It's kind of cool, but I don't like it. He said, what's that? When it came time to pay the temple tax, Jesus didn't go snap his fingers and there's a coin. That would have been really cool. That's, what I, that's the kind of thing. If I was God, and thank God I'm not, that's how I'd do it. But Jesus don't do that. He tells him to go fishing. And the first fish you catch in his mouth will be a coin. What? What? Now I got to believe and trust that. Oh, my God. That don't even make sense. I don't like that. How about talking donkeys? Nobody's going to believe this. You're, you go home and your dog's talking to you and gives you revelation. Nobody is going to believe you. I don't like it. But that's how God works. God blows our mind. He, he comes along and he does things that, that are beyond our imagination. Why? Because he wants us to surrender. He, we ain't going to do it our way. 
It's not going to be our better idea. It's not going to fit our mindset. So what we have to do is surrender. We have to surrender. God, if you cause fish to walk up on my driveway and spit out coins to pay my bills, don't care. I surrender. If you got to get my dog talking to me so I can understand the word, praise God. If you speak to me in a still small voice, thank you, Jesus. If you got to go to church and listen to a fat little preacher preach to you, hallelujah. It don't matter. We need to surrender. Now, I want to kind of take a detour here just for a moment. And I want you to hang on with me, and I'll explain it. In the 12 steps of AA, the first step is nothing short of brilliant. And I want you to listen to this because Bill W., the guy that, one of the guys that wrote the 12 steps, I believe had the mind of God. Because he says in the first step, he says, we admit that we are powerless over, and you can fill in the blank, and that our lives have become unmanageable. And to really understand the wisdom in that statement, you must understand the first two words, we admit. We admit. We have to come to a place where we understand and are willing to admit that we can't figure it out. That we can't solve it. We can't change it. We can't stop it. We can't quit. We can't beat it. We can't. Your better idea is not going to work. Your, your effort, your human effort is not going to cut it. Here's the problem. We're trying to fix everything. We're trying to do it our way. And God says, just do it my way. I see a lot further down the road than you do. And I'm aware. See, somewhere there's got to be a surrender. There has to be a surrender. We admit, I can't do it, God. I can't. I can't pastor this church. I can't build this church. I can't save souls. I can't heal. I can't counsel. I can't deliver. I can't do anything on my own. But with him, there's nothing I can't do. With him, all things are possible. And I've got to have, I have, I have, see, that's the thing about grace. I have to get to the point where picking up a pencil and writing out a grocery list requires my father's involvement. And you say, why? Because if you can't get that on the little things, you will not get it on the big ones. That's what he wants. See, see, I know this sounds fanatical, and I know this sounds like, well, come on, doesn't God, didn't God give you a brain? Yes, he did. He gave you a brain, and he gave you a will, and he gave you the ability to accomplish and do, but he never gave it to you so you were on your own. He did it so you could be in conjunction with him, so that you could link arms, that you could partner and walk it out with him. And the only way to do that is to surrender to him. Can you say amen? Amen. He said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. He says, you be weak, I'll be strong. And he says, and if you'll know your position, we'll get along. Wow, that rhymed. That was, somebody ought to write that down. That could be the next number one hit song right there. See, somewhere along the line, what we got to do is admit, but what we're not doing is admitting. And even, look at, and it's not even that we're arrogant about our abilities. 
Sometimes we just don't admit because we don't take the time to do it. Sometimes we just get busy and we figure, well, I guess I'm on my own here. So we don't pray. So we don't draw him in. We don't ask him to come in. We just simply don't. We just go about our business. And then we wonder, where is he at? He's at where he's always been. Where you should be. It's not him that walked away. So when we come into this place for grace to flow, we need to admit we need it. We need to surrender and say, God, let your grace flow. And then, church, once we've surrendered, we've got to grow. We've got to grow in grace. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, Grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We've got to grow in grace. Here, look at grace is like faith in that it must be developed. Listen to me. Do you understand this morning, you, every one of us have all the faith we need? The Bible says this, every man is given the measure of faith. And we don't know what the measure is. We, 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 we often think it's the mustard seed, but nobody says it's the mustard seed. The Bible says a mustard seed can move mountains, but nobody says that's the measure. We've been given a measure of faith. In other words, we've been given all the faith we need. It's not more faith that we need. It's that we need to develop the faith we have. And that's the same with grace. It's not the prayer is not God pour more grace on me. It is God help me to walk in the grace that I have. Help me to live it out. Help me to, help me to develop and grow in grace. Can you say amen? There is a verse of scripture that I love that brings this reality out better than any other. And it's in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. It says this. Now listen, it says, For by now, or by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have, be, you have come to need milk and not solid food. What he's talking about is he's dealing with the Hebrew people and he's saying, look at guys. He says, you guys should be teaching by now. You guys should be eating solid food and giving away what you got. You should be productive. You should be going forward. But you're not. He says, in fact, what you need is somebody to teach you the first principles all over again. And he says here, he says, you've come to need milk and not solid food. Then he goes on and he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. How many times have we talked about this? We've talked about people that come in and they get saved and they, they stay saved and, and they have this long-term uh, uh, thing of salvation, but they never grow. They're, they're 15, 20, 25 years into salvation, but they're only four days old in salvation. Because they don't grow beyond that moment. But then he goes on and he says this, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. In other words, he's talking about those people who are mature. And then he uses this phrase, that is, which means he's now going to describe those that are mature, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now I know in context he's talking about discernment, but the reality is he's talking about everything. See, he uses these words, by reason of use and exercise. They grow. you got to use what God has given 
or else it doesn't grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to use it. You have to use what God's given you. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, God, how can I, how can I really give an illustration of what I'm talking about? How can I really communicate what this thought is? And I was thinking about my grandsons. And I was thinking about Oliver. Now, most of you all know Oliver. He's a five-year-old little boy. He's full of life. He's happy. He's joyful. He plays. He, you, know, you know him. And one of the things that we did one time, and I remember doing this, I gave him a loaded squirt gun. And let me tell you something that will happen when you give Oliver a loaded squirt gun. You will get squirted. And so what I like to do is I like to give him a loaded squirt gun, and then I like to send him towards his parents. And say, hey, mom and dad love this. Go. And he'll go. And you know what? Oliver, at five years old, he can handle a squirt gun. He can squirt, and boy, he's just squirting, 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 squirting. He'll squirt everything. He'll squirt the dog. He'll squirt you. He doesn't care about title or position or social standing. He'll squirt you. He don't care about nothing. He'll squirt you. And so the thing that becomes very obvious about Oliver at five years old is Oliver knows how to pull the trigger of a gun. I own a 357 Magnum. It's about the same size as the squirt gun. Just because he knows how to pull the trigger, should I give him the gun? See, he doesn't have the maturity or the growth, which is really the ballast in his life to handle the power or the responsibility of that gun. That's what's happening, church. See, the problem is, is when we fail to grow, when we don't use with what we have where we're at, we can't go to the next level. We can't go to this level and this level and this level and this level. Why? And here's the thing. A lot of Christians go, well, I can pull the trigger. Yeah, you can. I'm certain there's a lot of people that could get up here and speak from behind the pulpit. But they don't have the ballast to pastor a church. Is it why? Because they haven't grown. They haven't grown. See, the problem with Christianity is we tend to throw out lots of bumper sticker platitudes from the Bible. And look, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get a little rough just for a minute and then I'll back off. Just because we can put a really cool meme on Facebook about Christianity, you got my point, right? We have to grow, church. And you say, well, what does that mean? That means that by reason of use, we exercise. That means we use what we have. That means that what we do is we surrender to God so that grace can flow. And when it begins to flow, we begin to operate in conjunction with the Father through relationship to do what he said. And as we do that, the power begins to build and move and grow. And we're able to grow in it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. This is the problem that I see all the time. Christians are just not growing. I was thinking about Titus. Titus right now is getting into the guitar. He loves playing his guitar. And quite honestly, it's two years old. He's pretty good. Amen. We're not going to have him on stage anytime soon. 
He even likes to sing. And his favorite song is Happy Birthday. And he will play guitar. It's not the same song, but he'll sing Happy Birthday to whatever he's playing. And sometimes his guitar gets confused as a weapon. But nonetheless, at two years old, he's developing. His daddy is teaching him. And if he's ever going to come on stage, he will, by reason of use, have to exercise the gift that's in him. It's the same thing for you and I. Are you hearing what, me, what I'm saying? I wrote this statement down. I didn't say it in the first, state, first uh, 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 service, but I want to say it now. Trust is the gymnasium of those who walk in maturity. That's a John Poole original. Go ahead, put that on Facebook. Trust is the gymnasium of those who walk in maturity. And that brings us to the last point is all of this grace. We surrender, we have to grow, and then we have to walk it out through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. This grace walk is a faith walk. It's by faith. It's saying, God, I trust you. I'm going to walk this out. I don't know what all this means. I don't know what your instructions are. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what you're saying. I don't understand, but I trust you. And I'm going to stop trying to figure it out, God. I trust you. I'm a walk of faith. I'm going to believe you are who you say you are. And I'm going to believe I am who you say I am. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And what we need to do is we need to declare. We need to declare this grace. I have the power of God operating in me. Amen. We need to sacrifice our, with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father. Even when I don't feel it. Can you say amen? amen? We need to make decisions and we need to get determined. I'm going to walk this out. We need to hold our ground when everything in hell is saying don't to. We, we need to wait on the Lord. Like I said in the beginning, sometimes we just need to be still before the Lord and let his grace operate. Can you say amen? amen. We need to feed it, feed it with the Word of God, and we need to draw close to Him in worship. That's how we walk this out, church. We got to surrender. We got to surrender. And then we got to grow. You know, I, I, am, I am so, this is my goal, this is my New Year's resolution that in 2020, I'm going to grow. That, what that means is I'm going to be intentional about spending time with Him. I'm going to invite him into every situation. I'm going to let him have his way. So we sung it, have your way in me. Have your way. I surrender. That's my prayer. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the abundance of your grace that you've poured out upon us. And Father, I pray for everyone that is in this room today. I pray that we would have a revelation of this grace and Lord, that we would learn, God, how to surrender. That, that every day, every morning, that we would wake up and surrender again and again and again. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would learn to grow that by reason of use, Lord, that we would be intentional to exercise, to use what you've given us. Lord, to walk in that and even to ask you, what do you want, Lord? What is your purpose today? What is your will? 
And Father, that this would be a faith walk, that we'd walk this out, that we would trust you and not lean to our own understanding, but Lord, that we would acknowledge you in all our ways. And Father, we're careful to give you the praise for it and the glory. And we love you today and we glorify you. Praise God. Isn't God good this morning? Why don't you stand to your feet all across this place? We're going to let you go today. We love you. You have a great day. Remember, don't don't take this for granted. Meditate on this and say, you know what, I'm going to change. I'm going to make that change in my life. God bless you. You're free to go. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.